We're in a culture where if you're not strong enough, smart enough, attractive enough, then you have got this problem that you've got to take care of and don't let anybody see you while you're going through that process. We don't have a culture where people share on their social media accounts, yeah, last night I was engaged in pornography for two hours and I need help. And aren't we all struggling with something that Jesus Christ can help fill that hole? Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today has lived in Idaho, Hungary, Virginia, and presently lives in Brigham City, Utah. He loves the outdoors, and as a Boy Scout, he would spend more than a week at a time sleeping in a tent or under the stars. He enjoys cooking and baking, both from recipe books and whipping something up impromptu using ingredients around the home. His vocation is helping people discover their needs and providing solutions to meet those needs. His career has led him to working with a number of companies from a computer startup to two Inc. 5000 companies and many jobs in between. I am pleased to present Mark Willis. Mark, are you ready to share your story of hope? Yes, thank you. A cool thing about Mark is this is the first time I've had both a husband's perspective and a wife's perspective on my podcast. I was able to interview his wife, Katie, earlier this summer. And her episode released as episode 56, if you want to go back and check that out. But today we get Mark's perspective, and I am really, really excited to have him on. But before we dive into all of that, Mark, we've got to start with something fun. And a little known fact about you is that you have been an extra in a movie. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that experience? <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, I was unrecognizable to a lot of people. In fact, my neighbor would look out and say, hello, Katie, as I was working in the yard. And I would, <laughs> I would stand up or kind of pick my hair back a little bit. And she said, oh, um, hi, Mark, because <laughs> I had longer hair than she did. But there was a beard to go along with it. Uh, I had grown a beard for two years in preparation to be a background actor in a spiritual-based video about pride and chastity. And it was part of a multi-year project that's still ongoing called the Book of Mormon video series. And it's not the Broadway Book of Mormon or the Book of Mormon movie. It's, it's something to check out. It's scriptural based. The, the scene that I was in included a three-day recording that melted down to just 10 minutes of actual on-the-set film near Springville, Utah. And it depicts a civilization of people about 500 years before Christ. And the costuming, the skin blending, all of that was new to me. And, and then to be on set to have this presentation of a prophet speaking to his posterity and people about the ills of pride and how chastity can give so much light and create so much darkness for people was uh, an interesting and fitting experience for my life as I look back at the experiences I've had and the person that I'm seeking to be with every choice. Wow. And it is, it is very applicable to your life and the struggles that you've had. And, and we're going to dive into that. So the interesting thing about Mark and, and what I absolutely love about his story is that he seemed to skim along rock bottom for a while. <laughs> And yet you have been able to rebound with the aid of Jesus Christ. And I, I think this is such an incredible and pertinent story, especially for our time. Uh, we're going to talk about mental health issues, financial struggles, and then sex addiction. And I, I think that there are a lot of people who are struggling with this. And so a lot of people will find hope in your story so why don't we why don't we dive in and talk a little bit about um, mental health struggles and 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 see where we go from there? Yeah, 
I'll say that I know I'm not alone, Tamara. In so many ways, as I look back at my life, I felt alone. I felt like no one else could have been in the same situation I was, or it would ruin my life if I were to even open up just a window's worth to anybody. But looking back now, I can see that that was definitely a way that that Satan, the adversary, or my own mind would say, no, no, you can't let anything in, especially not Christ, because this doesn't fit in with, with what he's atoned for. But the reality is it's all part of a bigger picture. And there, there is no path that I can go down, that anyone can go down that's further than the reach of the atonement. So... So you've had some mental health issues in your life, and they have kind of come and gone. Why don't you just touch on um, briefly what that looked like and felt like? So go back a little bit. I'm uh, from a family of, of six, and as far as I can remember, I, I had a goal to serve as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My three older brothers had completed missions, and so I prepared myself for this mission participating in Sunday school, seminary, family, and personal studies, and learned about Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and how the individual stories in the scriptures could apply to me. But I wasn't ready for a lot of the emotional toil that that would bring to, to be away from home for 24 months and, and have a whole lot of rejection shoveled day after day even though I was doing something that was so good and brought so much light. I was assigned to serve across the ocean in Hungary. It's in Central Europe. And it was a, a beautiful time with a lot of anticipation, but I began to struggle uh, mentally there. And all of the hope and anticipation for what good was going to be there was met with good, and it was also discouraging. I was, I was a lost little guy trying to figure out how do I talk to people like my heart wants to? How do I find the words that I, I can take from this little vocabulary of, of 20 words that I felt like I could put together? And I became depressed. I felt that my purpose there was going unfulfilled and that if I didn't see X results in Y amount of time, then it meant that I was that total failure that little voices in my head were telling me from earlier in my life that I actually was. And so there wasn't anything that was going to come out good. Mm. And anytime now that I can see that up and that down and, and that crazy making in my own mind that, I'm not good enough is an indication that I'm feeding myself a diet that is going to just tank out. Yeah. So I expressed my anxiety in letters home to, and to my mission leadership, but I wasn't expressing my needs or my feelings to this person who was with me 24 seven, my trainer. And it may have seemed like I was a nutcase going from feeling, feeling really high one day and then, Low the next day, while not being able to put together what was really happening, I was mm. falling apart inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I let my mind play out what could be better for me than life, and I convinced myself that I'd be a hero in death, and that I'd accomplish that by completing suicide, and. So as I looked out the window there of that, I was probably on the seventh story, convinced myself it's not something I would live through. So that's perfect. I did open up to my mission leadership and the reality of the gravity of my situation was there. I was connected with uh, a senior missionary, someone that was much older, like <laughs> been retired and chosen to, to do a mission with their life. And and he helped me to see that each new day brought new opportunities and that I didn't need to face any of it alone, that there was a way to turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to find that piece of the atonement 
that was already suffered for me and to start building on it. And that individual came at the right time and allowed me to see my life as, as more than what I would allow it to be painted for myself, looking out that seventh story window and saying, this is done, I, I'm gonna just be over. So, so let me just ask you a question about that because there's a lot of people out there who have been struggling, especially this year, suicide rates have increased. What helped you be able to finally reach out and ask for help? The world can feel closing in and closing in more. And I thought through option A, option B, what's the better option? And it was never the option A, which was getting help, but the B just kept getting closer and closer to, to the worst choice. And everything wasn't cured for me with anxiety and depression from that moment of, of being able to go with option A and getting help. I had ups and downs, peaks and valleys, absolutely. And it, it instead meant that I needed to get tools, I needed to get help, and I needed to be honest with myself, mm. what I was thinking and feeling. Because yeah. without it, it um, a mind left to itself is the devil's playground. Yeah. I, I had played there long enough and it was time to get out and to get away. So your experience then was that reaching out and getting help from other people is what really helped save you and help you help give you the tools to cope and to 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 know what to do when you hit those down days and down points in your life. Is that right? Yeah. Reaching out in any situation of life can be I feel one of the hardest parts because we're in a culture where if you're not strong enough, smart enough, attractive enough, then you have got this problem that you've got to take care of and don't let anybody see you while you're going through that process. We don't have a culture where people share on their social media accounts, yeah, last night I was engaged in pornography for two hours and and I need help. Instead, we've got a... <laughs> society where we paint the pretty and the positive without any consideration for humanity. And aren't we all struggling with something that Jesus Christ can help fill that hole? But not if we don't allow existing resources, prayer to its max extent to go into that. Then we're just thinking that we have to do it on our own, which sure has failed in the past. <laughs> That's yeah. why we're in the situation we're in. <laughs> I think that, um, as you say, the adversary is very, very good at, once we start going down that path of feeling down and depressed, ma making us feel like, okay, nobody else understands that. You, you mentioned that earlier. And um, the interesting thing is that so many people understand that. <laughs> you know, so many people understand what it is like to have depression. We have uh, depression in even my family. And, and so it's something that so many people are aware of. There's a lot of people dealing with it. There's a lot of resources out there. And I'm so thankful that you had the courage to say something. I mean, it, and it really does take courage, doesn't it? Because you have to sit, it's almost like you have to swallow your pride and say, I'm drowning here. I need some help. <laughs> right. Uh. Don't we love to just pick up a self-help book and say, wow, that person got it all figured out. But the reality is before they could write that, they were in a situation that was bleak and dark and without a reality of where the end was from, from the current. And that's okay. We as humans are so much on this planet to help and build each other more than we are to tear each other apart. We share so many common experiences. You put COVID on the plate and who else around the world is having the same situation as we are? About everybody, it's, it's yeah. a shared experience. We are able to, to know that other people 
are being served up the same discouraging messages or, or the same fear about what a month from now, six months from now, a year from now might look like. And so we can connect knowing that we might think we're alone, but that's because we're in our own mind. We're in our own head at that moment and our ego is in the driver's seat. Mm. And that's a powerful lesson to learn right there is, is just reaching out and getting help. I mean, God, God answers our prayers often through other people. Yes. You know? Um, and so we have to take that leap of faith that, Hey, I'm going to be brave and, and say, I'm really struggling. Even if you reach out on social media, I've seen people say, on social media, I had an awful day. And it's amazing the outpouring of love. I think because we've all been there, we've all been in situations where, oh, this is the worst ever. People want to to lift and help and love one, love one another. So yeah, I think we're not meant to be superheroes. <laughs> we're, we're not meant to be invincible because I think we open up opportunities for that human element that reminds us that we're not God, but we do have a God, a Father in heaven and Savior who, who actually can understand. And it's not our battle to serve alone. Love that. So Mark, let me ask you, once you reached out and got the help and the coping skills that you needed, was it all smooth sailing from there? No. So, <laughs> it wasn't. And what story in life would ever be be good with just one one high point and then everything else just works out? No, I wasn't cured of anxiety and depression, and and I still have ups, downs, peaks, and valleys in life. So having a bad stretch of a couple of days or a bad day, I can still find myself reminded of how desired I am by the adversary me personally, for for the good that I want to do, for the good that I am doing, or even for just the influence that I want to have. And when the adversary backs me into that corner, it invites me to to give up the, the progress that I feel that I've made. And something that I can see now is that I wasn't able to see in that moment my fear, anxiety, distress and hopelessness were going unchecked. And any time in my life when that's happening can be trigger points to send me back into some mental health struggle. So I'm, I'm not immune to it, but I'm aware to it now. And I can do something a whole lot more than I could in that moment without having a plan. I love that. I loved how you, you've learned the coping techniques that you needed. Life isn't perfect after you've learned the lesson, but it becomes easier when you have the strategies in place to help you. Let's uh, move along to another point in your life when things got a little crazy, um, financial struggles, which led into uh, sex addiction. Yeah, my mental health concerns returned as, as life was presenting new new challenges. I was seven years into marriage, had three kids, young kids that sure needed a, a lot of attention. And, and that part's natural, but I wasn't giving myself attention and care that, that would have put me on a different path. Instead, I was running myself ragged in, in just trying to, to serve that need of, of keeping a household going of, of kids and being a father. And I lost a lot of the ground that I had learned through the time on my mission and living a healthy, balancing life. And so this struggle came as trapdoor under trapdoor was starting to just fall out from underneath me, that my life was, was broken and needing a more sure foundation, a rock, that Jesus Christ could give instead of uh, what I built for myself. Mm. So all these financial hardships 
started with one domino falling, which was when the company you're working for went under. So why don't you describe to me what was going on in your mind and what what was happening to your family at that point um, so we can get a picture of how you were feeling and what what you were thinking at that point. Yeah. The company I'd been working for, Tamara, it was my pride and joy. It was my little baby because I had been there from the get-go, grown it to multiple stores in multiple states and and really loved everything about it, but it wasn't able to continue. It had been company for five years, but financially it just was, was going the other way. And I had attached a whole lot of my identity to who I was there and then. And as that started to go away, I, I didn't have 40 hours of my week, 50 hours a week planned. And mm. it felt like I was that I was going under if the company was going under because I put so much of my identity into what I was doing there. And at home, Katie was definitely supportive of me finding a, a new job that I loved and that I was interested in, but I couldn't very quickly. I I found minimum wage jobs, people that would hired me without interviewing me and I thought this isn't going to be a future and that sent me spiraling to wonder about myself what was I really worth what was my worth if I was no longer able to provide for the family I had savings but that was going fast mm -hmm. and I couldn't connect back together the dots of how I became prideful in that moment that because I had so much experience and built myself up so much, as I would interview for these positions, dozens of interviews that I would be able to get, I couldn't land to get one person to offer me a position. I started to let that eat and eat and eat and canker at my self-worth. And I felt into that pattern from the mission of, I'm not gonna reach out for help to, to let someone know how I'm feeling or that I'm struggling. I gotta get those bootstraps up and go at this myself. But something I, I did see that was an escape for me was pornography because I had been introduced to that as a preteen and it was something that could satisfy a hole in my emotional bucket. And it sure could take time, which I had a lot of, and emotional drain. And so I allowed myself to just wallow and stay stuck instead of moving forward with the help of asking other people. I started to make decisions that not only hurt my family financially by not accepting any job available, I hurt my family by not providing as good as I could, no matter what that looked like. And I started to tell lies that they were the cause of my problems and that everyone else needed to just change. And then I would be happy. I would be successful and the problems would go away. But they didn't. And I had to get to a point where instead of allowing every finger to point at someone else, I needed to look at all the fingers that were pointing back at me. That I was the common denominator, the one who needed to make a change and to create a new path instead of going in the patterns that I was used to. And, and you reached kind of a bottoming out point here where it had impacted uh, your, your marriage to the point that you and Katie were going to get divorced. You hit rock bottom. I mean, you really did, didn't you? <laughs> I did. And rock bottom is the time when we look left, we look right. There's nowhere to go. And for me, rock bottom had come after making decisions that rocked my marriage and rocked me personally. I found myself going places and doing things that I committed that I never would that I was seeing 
pornography play out in real life instead of realizing that my problems were stemming back from me. I could look and see two paths before me and know that I'd come up this path and if I continued on it, it would lead me to being alone and divorced. The choices I was making had me feel that I didn't even want to see my kids because I was so caught up inside that, that I would be unfaithful in marriage and to family in ways that I had committed that I would never do again. But in order to go a different way, I had to make a pretty significant change. I had to be honest and accountable and forward looking instead of just looking at myself in the mirror and how my situation was the only one that mattered. Mm. And that if my pride was something I had to give up, then I'd rather, I'd rather not. <laughs> so <clears throat> what, what was it that helped you change? I mean, talk me through that decision where all of a sudden the light switch flipped and you said, ah, what was that? Well, I, I'd conjectured that divorce from Katie would bring the separation from my triggers and the accompanying shame and guilt and remorse. And I'd proved to myself that I can run away from problems. I'd done it in the past. And so this was just another problem that I needed to run away from. And the night before Katie uh, was going to meet with a lawyer to go forward with divorce because I'd told her that's what I want. I'd, I'd said this, I'm done with, I'm not going to change. So go forward with your life and make sure that it's without me. She offered that we could go ahead and, and talk. And I was living out of the home at that time. And so when I, I got the text message from her, it was uh, a saving grace that I was willing to, to take that chance. And even though my marriage was in the 59th minute of the 11th hour, I could see that there was still time. And she asked, do you just want to talk when the kids are in bed? And I said, yeah. And we talked all night. We were able to express and communicate in ways that hadn't been, that had been iced over emotionally. And as I allowed myself for the first time in a long time to shed open tears and to be thoughtful and intentional about how I was treating her, it allowed that space for her to open and for me to open and for us to be there for each other. A takeaway I had from that conversation is that I needed to embrace change if I wanted to see change in my life. And that was me speaking for me. And in, instead of thinking that I was being told other people telling me I needed to change, this was going to be me deciding for me. If I wanted my marriage to survive, then I needed to get help. And that was so important and so useful. So through the past nine years, since my personal tripping point, I have made wonderful friends and resources as I open up that door to realize and to continually remind myself that it's okay to be broken because that brokenness is human. That's what I'm asked to do is to be human and to change along the way towards a better person. Oh my goodness, Mark. <clears throat> I'm so sad that you guys had to hit that rock bottom, but I'm thankful that you were able to make that choice in your mind and, and then move, for, move forward and get the help that you needed. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have Mark tell us all about the lessons learned along his life journey. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm. 
What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The diagnosis survival guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. I've been talking to Mark Willis about the choices he had to make to overcome anxiety, depression, and addiction. So let me ask you this. You have, you've gone through a lot of ups and downs in your life. What are some of the lessons that you have learned through it all? I know, I know we've talked about the power of reaching out and getting help. Um, already. You mentioned briefly as we dove into this that um, you weren't taking care of yourself and that self-care is super important. Um, Why don't you talk me through some of the self-care things that you do now that help you take care of you so that you don't descend into the, the pits of despair again? For me, a lot of times that can come in the early morning hours. I wake up before everybody else. And that's my time to be able to feast on a good diet, a good mental diet, and spiritual diet, and being okay to be alone with myself. Because there was plenty of times in my life that I didn't want to be with me. I didn't like who I was. And so I would just fill up that time with anything that was other people centered, even though it might've looked good that I was cleaning the house or that I was reaching out to other people to fill my bucket. That was never enough because I was offering to them when I wasn't even filled myself. So that, 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 that time that you take in the mornings helps you fill your bucket. So then you're able to give to others throughout the rest of the day. Is that a good yeah. summary? Yeah. It's if I wake up and I have a baseline that's like at 10 and then tough things are happening with work or family or the weather is just not what I want it to be. Maybe that goes down to like a six or a five, but it's not zero. And zero is where things get bad. Yeah. So I've got to make sure that my baseline is steady and do what it takes, even in that moment, to walk away when I'm getting near zero and get a baseline back up. Is that morning routine, also, does that also include connecting with God on a daily basis, um, allowing yourself to tap into that strength on a daily basis? Yes. If I'm open to be taught, then I am so often taught. But if I think that I don't need an open pathway to hear the voice of God through prayer, through scriptures, through meditation, then I'm closed. And mm. that closing keeps out the light. Mm. And and I... I found that to be true in my own life. And, and it's interesting. I also wake up before everybody else in my household and have that time to connect with God, but I found that I need it. You know, I, I need that because I do feel like I'm giving the whole rest of the day. And so that self-care, that morning time just for me, and I've never been a morning person. I'm just going to start off and say that, but I found that that taking that conscious choice to put what I need first. And that's my connection with God enables me to be a better Tamara for everybody else. Have you found that to be true in your own life? Yeah. 
and as you said, can, can I be a better Mark? Because I'm not expecting to change someone else. I've got to be yoked to Christ in order to have a pathway that, that he can change me. That's where I am enough, where I'm allowing God into my life and to let go of narcissism, that it's all about me, that I need to be noticed, awarded, rewarded, and that never turns out to be enough. But with God, it, it, there is enough because he is enough. Mm. That is, you put that so beautifully. Oh my word. I love that. So what are some of the things that you do to fill your bucket per se? I, I love podcasts to, to listen to something that's motivational. If it's business related or if it's personal, there's, there's podcasts that I subscribe to that I know will fill me, fill my mind with the positive, the good, and the light. And I give myself self-compassion. <laughs> no one else can give that to me. Self-compassion is being able to clearly recognize where I am and accept myself for where I am from my past, accept myself right now for the decisions that I'm making, and have compassion that the future may look different than I want it to. But no matter where it is, I want to be gentle with myself all along the way. And that is such a good tip. And it's hard to do, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, let me ask you this with regards to self-compassion. Do, do you feel that learning self-compassion was something that you learned the closer you got to God? Because he, he is ultimate in his mercy and his love for his children. Do you think that's something that helped you that when you knew God loved you, no matter what, that you were then able to give that to yourself? Did you see that process at all? Yes. If I'm willing to open that door and allow someone to love me when I feel unlovable, then I'm inviting Jesus Christ and God to be there at my side instead of saying i've got to do this alone i've got to be that superman it all changes when i'm able to say mortal imperfection is is perfectly designed to give me the outcome of becoming more like god because i can see decision after decision where i can be different mm. and that first step in doing something different for me is to desire that change. And then the next step is to lean in that direction, even before my feet start walking me there. Mm. So in order to make any of these changes, you had to be able to have that hope that, Hey, I can get out of this and, and work towards that and let that hope pull you forward. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Let me ask you this. What, what tips would you share with someone who's in a similar situation, whether it be struggling with mental issues, uh, financial issues, or sexual addiction? What, what tips would you share with them? Let Christ be Christ. Don't try to fill his role. Jeffrey R. Holland said that no matter how late you think you are, no matter how many chances you think you've missed, or how many mistakes, or how you feel that you've done something that's beyond the reach of the atonement of Jesus Christ, it's really not true. You can never sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. And Love that. If I try to make myself that savior, then I'm saying, I don't need any of that. And that's so far from the truth that I'm just giving away that, that perfect brightness of hope that Jesus Christ offers. That, that is so, so true. I, I think we all, um, 
<laughs> I'd never thought about it like that until you kind of phrased it that way, but that, that we are trying to be the, our saving grace versus allowing him to be our saving grace. I've never associated pride in that manner in my brain until you just, I don't know why that just clicked in my brain, but that is a really powerful idea that pride is thinking we can do it. Whereas humility is allowing the savior to help us. That is, that's a really cool concept. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can be penitent, which is humble before God. And I can be repentant for things that I need to change. I don't need to pretend that it's not there. Mm. You, you talk about pride and I, the proud as I see in my life, I felt that my worthiness depended upon my achievements, talents, beauty, intellect, any of that. But it was never enough because pride made me ugly. <laughs> pride made me self-centered and pride made me feel that I was that failure who just had to keep doing it myself. Mm. You've mentioned some amazing lessons so far. Are there any other lessons that you have learned that would be beneficial to other people if they're yeah. struggling with these same things? Sure. A few there that a simple quote, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> so once I was able to stop seeing myself as the sinner and my wife as the saint, but then see that, oh, we both need the Savior. And because there is a Savior, there's a future for every choice and every situation. Save Christ alone, no one can or will be perfect. So I need to remove the expectation of myself and everyone else from that pedestal of being perfect mm. so that we can all be human in this shared experience. I've learned that my mindset and patterns can really go unchecked. And if they do, then I need to learn quickly from that so that life's not crumbling around me and I slip progressively back towards a mental rock bottom. Mm. What are some of the things that you do to make sure that your mindset doesn't slip? I have checkpoints. Oh, say. really? Like, like, have you written them down or, 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 or is it just a, a mental list or? A, a checkpoint of how am I feeling in my body? How am I feeling in my mind? And what am I believing that's a half truth right now? Ooh. Oh, do you ask yourself that question every day then? Is that part of like your morning mantra, <laughs> your morning routine? I think it's more subliminal now than, than pulling out a sheet of paper and saying, all right, let's write down the half truths of what I believe in. That I need to be able to, to go in a quick moment to be able to check my emotions mm. for what what is happening to me? Mm. There's a quick acronym of NAME that yeah. gives, gives better context for what my emotions are teaching me. N is notice, A is acknowledge, M is make space, and E is expanding awareness. So when I can name what's going on in my life, then I disarm it from taking me down emotionally. So it's basically recognizing, okay, I'm feeling this emotion. What is it? Mm -hmm. Right? So first, well, I like, like how notice you said, it. you got to notice it. You got to realize, okay, I'm feeling <gasps> and describe it. <laughs> right? yeah. And acknowledge it that I am feeling that. So if it's really angry that, that there is this event that's happened, um, let me, let me say that last night I was making pizza for my son's birthday and I used one hot pad instead of two to take the pizza out of the oven. Oops. Oops. Uh, and that little floppy 
tray fell on the floor and the pizza's upside down now. <laughs> and this houseful of hungry, happy, birthday wanting celebration was, was changed in that moment. We each had our own emotions and I needed to, to notice why was I so prideful that I didn't want to use the second hot pad that had been offered by Katie. I said, no, no, I'll do this with one hot pad. <laughs> <laughs> she could see what was going to happen before I did. But <laughs> in, in an addict or an unhealthy mind, I would put that blame that, well, you bought this pizza. Well, this was dumb. I didn't even want to have pizza. But I needed to name what was happening. I needed to notice that I was being prideful about not even wanting a second hot pad. I needed to acknowledge that that pride had an effect on other people. And I needed to make space to really be honest that I'm okay, I'm allowed to make mistakes and pride can go out the window as soon as I expand the awareness to say, yep, we're done. Uh, it's time to say sorry. And how do we still make this dinner? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you gave that example because it just walked us through the steps and, and, and how you, it, and all this is inside your mind, right? Yeah. Oh, that is, that is beautiful. I love, I love that technique. What other techniques have you learned that have helped you? Other people can have trauma in their life that can have happened years and years ago. And though I or society might say, get over it, it's done. Just, just move on with life. Trauma has a long memory. Mm. It's actually stored in our long-term memory. So while I have years of recovery and sobriety under my belt, that does not automatically mean that the pain and hurt and trauma of how decisions I've made and that they've affected others have just gone away. Mm. So I need to be really aware that trauma being served up is not a slap in my face that I've done something wrong in that moment. Instead that the other person has a reminder of something from the past and that it's my job like a little rock to carefully handle that memory that Katie or someone else might be having and not try to hit them over the head with that rock and say, well, see, it's your problem. Go to the pizza. Well, it's your problem that you bought this pizza or it's your fault you had a birthday today. <laughs> no, the reality is that I'm part of the picture of what's happening but I don't have to solve the problem. I need to be accountable, honest, and humble for the things that I've done that have created pain instead of just putting it somewhere that I'm a bad person because this happened in the past. Mm. And if someone else feels pain from it, that trauma. So let me ask you this, because a lot of people who have dealt with an addiction in the past and feel a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Um, how have you been able to heal from that aspect of it? I get to feel that I'm a new person every time I make a choice that reminds me that I'm not the old Mark. I get to make that decision every time I can feel my Savior's love for me and to recognize that the atonement is active in my life. I don't need to allow my past to define my future because I know who I am and truly whose I am. I'm a son of God and he wants me to remember the past and to change from it. Oh, I love that. And, and it's interesting that monumental grief and shame is something that Satan wants you to continue to live in and the Savior wants to pull you up 
and away from. So it, it, it almost is a choice who you're going to listen to. And it doesn't mean that Satan's going to stop trying <laughs> to attack you with all that, but that uh, choosing to remember who you are and whose you are, I love how you said that, um, helps you move forward mm-hmm. instead of always looking back. So it, it's a matter of, of where you, which way you're facing almost. Yeah, it is. When I can see that I'm on a path that I want to be on and that I can continue to be on it by making steps in that direction. It's not someone else's race. Um, it's, it's a journey of a thousand miles and the destination is already set. It's available for me. And that love of God is, is what I get to feel everywhere along the journey. Mm. I love that. Why don't you talk me through, I know you have like a ginormous list of resources uh, that have helped you and that you recommend for other people who are struggling. What, what are some of those things? There's countless resources and the application of them can be as varied as the people themselves. Mm. So if one hasn't worked, try another. If, if someone says, well, this, this always works for me, <laughs> then that's a personal testimony for them of what works. Right. It, it doesn't mean that I'm broken if it didn't work for me. I believe in prevention and education. I believe in getting out of the dark of the night in that moment and just running to the light of day. I do that through powers of affirmation that I, I believe there's a real message in knowing that I am divine, I am connected, I'm expressive, and I'm loved. That I am those things because God is who he is. He's divine, he's connected, expressive, and he is love. So I don't need to create myself to be someone different than what I'm divinely intended to be. Once I find that, it's so much more familiar. And that's where I want to stay. Ooh, I love that you shared some of your affirmations with us. I think those are beautiful and powerful. So finding the affirmations that resonate with you and that help move you forward is is definitely uh, an amazing resource. Wow. What else? What else can you give us (laughs) as far as resources go? To be real, authentic, and vulnerable is not weakness, but it's actually what I've seen create deep, deep impact of lasting change and a commitment to have a life different from where I've come from. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. What were some of the programs that you used to help educate yourself and pull you out of that pattern of addiction? Some of the programs that do work for me and have had phenomenal impact have been group recovery programs. One is Lifestar, treating trauma for an individual, an addict, and who they are who they hold as loved ones. That's Lifestar. There's a 12-step addiction recovery program put on by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that meets locally, virtually, over the phone. It's, it's an open opportunity to be with people who are wanting to make change in their life from, from any undesirable behavior. It's the atonement application program that I was able to find a deeper level of who Christ is in my life by going through that ARP. Now, and and that program isn't just for the person who has had the addiction. Isn't it also for like the spouse and the, or the loved ones of those who are experiencing it? Yes. There's finding healing through Christ is another program that truly helps a spouse to see that they didn't create the problem and they have their own need 
to get help. So that's the every saint has a past, every sinner has a future idea. Mm. But it applies to everyone. It's not just for the scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that there's resources out there for everyone that's involved in the situation, you know, because we all need that help. We all need that healing. Some of the podcasts that I subscribe to and put into that morning digest of how I'm going to be continually committed to a different way of life. Mm -hmm. Betrayal Trauma SOS by Jenny Brockbank. One called Virtual Couch by Tony Overbay. There's another called Unashamed, Unafraid. And that is a phenomenal group who are unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming unto Christ for healing. Ooh, that sounds awesome. What else? What other resources do you have for us? There's some books. One is called Getting Your Needs Met by Bob Starn. And there's another called ICU, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. And that's by Julie Lee. It was just put out this year and is interesting to read within the, the frame of the pandemic that's happening how we can really see other people and have compassion and connection right now amid everything that's happening. I love finding content that is put out by people seeking to, to change the norm, to change the way that society sees pornography in today's um, environment. Two videos are Brain Heart World. It's a three-part documentary by a group called Fight the New Drug. And Personally, to me, pornography was my drug of choice. And so this really speaks to me. That documentary is fantastic for, for teaching things in a way that even uh, presented positive for kids. I've shared it with my kids. Oh, I was just going to ask, what do you do to help children stay away from it? So that's perfect that you <clears throat> tack that on. Anything else? Involving kids, there's uh, the organization protectyoungminds.org. And the book is Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Ooh, that's cool. So you can even teach it to young children then. Right. It works for parents with, with children not sure how to start a conversation about something that was never comfortable to start mm-hmm. <laughs> before. And there's a junior version. This junior version is meant for, for kids even, even younger, like three to five. It's okay. Wow. Conversation with them. I I watched even just like last night, if you'll believe, for date night, what Katie and I chose to do is to, to watch a documentary called Our Kids Online. And it, it was a couple from New Zealand who really were floored with the task of teaching their, their kids about sexuality and healthy sexuality. And they could see that society sure wasn't doing the good job of it. And so they reached out to find experts and and reality of what has society done and so many aspects of what was shared speak to me about the hurt that i i walked through in the 90s as as a teenager struggling with what was being served up on the internet and believing that it was somehow going to be the normal for what I would find in marriage for sexuality. And the world has got it all wrong. And it's selling, selling, selling this message that resources like Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and Our Kids Online are helping to reframe into how we protect and and love each other in ways that, that are safe and healthy. Sigmund Freud has said that a man with a toothache cannot be in love. And as, as I heard that first, I thought, okay, not getting it, toothache and love. But when we've got a problem, it is so prominent in our lives that nothing else is really mattering. And to me, that problem of my youth was an emotional hole that I wasn't able to, to see and respond to the challenges in a way that was healthy. My tooth was aching, but I wasn't able to get past that and to get it taken care of. 
until much, much later in life when these resources became real and active for me to root out at the bottom. I guess I had a root canal. And so I was able to get beyond where I was stuck for so many years. Oh, I love that comparison. And, and I've never thought about it, but you're absolutely right. And that, that toothache can apply to almost any situation in life. Mark, do you have a favorite verse of scripture that has become meaningful to you? I do. It's Psalms 51, 10 to 13. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. This speaks to me because I have lived in a dark cave with my unclean heart for so long. And when I was able to allow God to change me, I didn't have to be in the cave. I didn't have to try and bury that past. I'm able to say, I want to be converted to you so that I can be an instrument in some way to do good. I love this entire story because it shows that there is hope, that anyone can choose to rely on the Savior and heal, Yes. right? All right, Mark, this has been such an incredible interview. Before we wind things up, is are there any last thoughts or ideas that you want to share with us? I know I'm not done changing in life. I don't want to be done changing. He is welcome in the dark corners of my life. He is welcome to, to give ongoing healing for me and the way that I have betrayed relationships, and he does not want me to do it alone. And so when I'm thrown back to triggers or reminders of anything, it doesn't mean that I've fallen off the path or that I'm ready to make poor choices again. Instead, it's a reminder that I can come closer to Christ and have another experience with him. Thank you. There's a resource that has just been made known to me this week. It's through a group called Self-Reliance Services of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's called Emotional Resilience. And I know that there must be more hope and peace in that. So I'm excited to try that out. It's just new for me. That is awesome. We will be sure to put all these resources that you have talked about into the show notes so that people can find them more easily and be able to use them in their lives as well. So thank you for sharing such an uh, amazing amount of resources. This has been fantastic. Now, Mark, there's going to be people who just resonate with your story. How do they contact you or get a hold of you? Personally, I have a, a bottom line in recovery that I don't have any social media. It, it keeps me safer, and it's something that I am committed to. So I don't have any personal social media accounts, but Katie, my wife, does. And so you can connect with me through her by Facebook. She's Be Still Services, or on Instagram at Be Still with Katie Willis, or there's a blog, and that's bestillservices.blogspot.com. Awesome. We'll be sure to link those as well, too. Oh, my goodness, Mark, you have shared quite a journey here from the ups to the way, way downs. And I'm so thankful that you are willing to share this journey with us because I think it gives us all hope. And, and it helps us be able to point to the source of all hope and healing, which is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. 
That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.